Hello there, and welcome to Down to Watch, the podcast that asks, are you down to watch? And uh, what you'll find here usually is pop culture talk, talk basically. Um, I'm Camila. I am Dan. And most of the time, we review movies, TV shows, and music here on the podcast. But ever so often, ever so often, they get a really special guest to come on and talk about their projects. And today's special guest will be joining us for this episodes that are part of a series that I call Casting Call. Today's special guest is the transformative actor, Jack Ernie. Multi-talented. Multi-talented. <laughs> Music. Singer. <laughs> well, you have to. Yes. yes. You like seriously just kind of disappear. Not kind of. You absolutely disappear in all of your characters. Well, it might be tough for Jack to hear that, you know, because he was cast as the flat-nosed man in one of his movies. <laughs> Which one was that? One, one for the money. Well, the, 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 past few, <laughs> the past few characters that I have seen him in. Let's talk about Richard Speck. Is that well, about first of all, well, first of all, I want to let's find out, Jack. How is your day going? My day is, you know, like anybody else's. I'm working a, a day job as a temp, and uh, you know, just got home about an hour ago and ate some, uh, you know, formerly frozen lasagna, <laughs> <laughs> vegetable vegetable lasagna. So, so, like every other, like any other schlub, you know. Like any other schlub. Are you a vegetarian? Uh, most of the time, I'm, I'm going to be really happy though when they have this um, this cell meat, this meat that they can create from cells, because I'm just a very high metabolism, protein driven person, oh. and yeah, every once in a while, I just I do I eat meat occasionally. Right. My girlfriend's out of town, for example. Uh, there it is. <laughs> so, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Fairmont, West Virginia. Okay. And um, when exactly uh, get into acting? I got into acting. Um, I was already in my twenties, and uh, I was not going to school for it. I had gone to school and uh, was going to be an English professor. And I took a. This doesn't really answer the question you asked. This is a um, a meandering answer. I'm sorry, totally but cool with meandering. <laughs> what's that? We're totally cool with meandering. That is fine. Cool. Good, good. I love meandering. Um, as long as there is eventually a point, I'm good with it. So I had this, um, they had, I had to take a theater history was one of my requirements. I don't want it just sounded excruciatingly boring to me at the time. And I said, is there any way to get out of it? Some hipper kid knew that if you took stage movement, you could get out of the history class. So I took a stage movement class and, uh, for the final piece, we had to combine a couple of um, blocking exercises and create something out of it. So I did something ridiculous like Vincent Van Gogh's Last Day. And uh, the teacher asked me to stay after class. And I assumed that she was going to tell me, you know, whatever you do, um, don't think about acting. And it was just the opposite. She said, I think you should... Um, it was a cheeky thing for her to say because she didn't know me or know what I was interested in. But she said, I think you should uh, drop everything and uh, focus on acting. Hmm. But it was, which wait. was just bizarre. <laughs> well, it seemed to be working out for you. You seem to have been very busy for a, a while. You've been in a lot of movies. Um, I don't know if there's as many uh, actors and actresses out there who. Uh, who can say that they've worked with both Jean-Luc 
<laughs> and uh, as well as many other <laughs> Jean Claude, Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh, right. I'm sorry, it was, it was 1995. It was a while ago, <laughs> but uh, that was that I was. Don't cool. want, I don't want people to think I worked with a better, you know, with the director was named John Luke. Uh, that's where I thought he was going. I was like, what? I have a proper noun dysfunction. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but that was filmed here. I could have just gone along with it, yeah. Right. It was a film. That's why I mentioned it. West Virginia is not too far from Pittsburgh, so um, that must have been somewhat convenient working. So I, I assume you still have family back home in West Virginia? I do. I have, yeah. Otherwise, uh, I probably would never go back to Fairmont if... Uh, if I didn't have family there, I'm sure they've got like a Dunkin' Donuts or something. Yes, I mean, what's going? What's going on? <laughs> I, don't, I, mean, I don't think they do. They, I think where the Dunkin' Donuts used to be now, there's a massive meth lab. <laughs> oh wow! Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Pretty, pretty sure. Yeah. So you I can still get a baker's dozen. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry for cutting um, Camille off earlier. You were saying that uh, Jack is a super transformative actor. I totally co-sign on that. I didn't mean <laughs> to be such a uh, smart Alec. <laughs> what were you gonna say there? Uh, just for the simple fact of just like the 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 last few things that I have seen you and Jack, um, Outsiders, Out of Furnace, and. Um, most recently, the, um, obviously, Mindhunter, which you seem to be getting quite a bit of attention for. Um, you're playing the real-life serial killer, uh, Richard Speck, which... Shocking, yeah. Um, so I made the mistake of watching an actual video of the real Richard Speck. And mm-hmm. I've seen that video. I was fucked up for like two days. <laughs> um, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how did you manage to do your back? Like, yes, how did so how, just... how did you do your research, and how did you get into character? Well, I read a couple of books on him, and just read a couple of books on. Yeah, I studied um, sociopathy and psychopathy uh, for writing purposes, for acting purposes. So, you know, just uh, looked into some more recent research on that. There's a really great book. I'm going to forget the author. I know it's almost, uh, it's something Baron Cohen, but definitely not Sasha. <laughs> um, There's a great book on, uh, with a, some new, uh, understanding of sociopathy. And we now have the, at least scant hope, uh, that someday soon we'll be able to cure. But anyway, there was that. And there's uh, books about spec, like Born to Raise Hell. Mm. And um, I don't think I read Born to Raise Hell, though. I think that was more like um, a, you know, a pulp pulp novel, just really kind of uh, gratuitously neon. Uh, but um, there's some better books on him. And then there's, as far as um, media, really, there's only that video. Mm. So it's not like uh, Kemper. There's a lot of footage. There's some early footage of Speck in Corp. It's all MOS. You know, it's just stuff of him trying to look composed. Yeah. And, uh, if it's the same that we're talking about, then, I mean, I guess it's later. It's Speck much later in life than when you play him. And you definitely play right. much differently than that version of him. Um, it's like a math problem. You, you just have to take what's the later video that's there you talk about speaking of transformative right um once he has his his memories uh expanded you, you just go kind of do him uh, like look at it like math so look at what you know of him from the book look at him later and then 
try to do some kind of uh, calculation as to what scaling it back to what he was probably like before he went into gen pop, right. general population, yeah. Wow. Well, I mean... He could still afford to pretend to be a badass. Yeah, it was... <laughs> it was a jaw-dropping performance, my man. I mean, <laughs> it was just like... It was it was it was breathtaking. Uh, I didn't know who Richard Speck was or anything like that going into that particular episode of Mindhunters. In the early, I tell you, even they worked that profanity like taffy. I mean, like at one point um, in rehearsal, uh, he kept adding these lines, and the writer, um, not Joe Penhall, but the I forget her name. She's brilliant, so I won't forget myself for that. Um, I think her name is Jen, but uh, she's just, she was a, a master class really of how to behave as a writer in the room. And I learned so much from her, but he said to her at one point, you have to be the Shakespeare of uh, of expletives or profanity, something like that with this character. That is a great way to kept put it. Working it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it because that's actually that's how we that's the best way to describe it because it's not just somebody you know just spouting off just random curse words here and there like there is a shakespearean tone and dialect to it <laughs> right yeah uh, tell that gosh i'm failing my english class come on english professor tell us how did he write semantic what was it pedantic verse is that is that right I am I am a contaminator. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Professor. <laughs> I went to art school. Is it that mean? <laughs> I am a contaminator. Was the is profanity uh, allowed on this podcast? Yes, it is. I listened to a couple, and I don't I don't remember hearing much. So you're a classy act. Um, Thanks. Yeah. So I am a contaminator. For spec would be, um, I fucked that mother. I fucked that motherfucker in his ear. So that's in the pentameter, and it's right right up his alley. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah. and you also seem to be do you seem to do accents very well. Oh yeah, as well. Um, I like accents. Yeah, I find them um, easy. I have a friend who's from Malaysia. He was my best friend in high school, and uh, my mother would say to me, "Do you realize when you're on the phone with um, with Kelly, you sound exactly like him?" And I didn't until she said it. But um, years later, when he had stepchildren, I used to call his house and pretend to be him mm. and fool the stepkids. So <laughs> it, it, it's before before caller ID. It was a lot of fun. To be able to do accents. <laughs> All right. Well, that's funny. I tend to do the same thing. I cannot be around people with certain accents and not pick it up. And I just yeah, it's a weird thing um i mean i just i also just like doing accents because it's fun just like normally just around the house i'll just it kind happens. of fall into a british accent not infrequently i've never been to london or anything like that. <laughs> right i like to think that it's a kind of empathy but it can get you in trouble um you can be awkward if you're not aware of and you do it i was in a room with a couple guys ages ago uh, listening to jazz and we're talking and we're talking about racism and the other um, guys, the guy whose house I was in and his friend was stopped by the visit. We're, we're in low light. It's after twilight. And we're there with uh, no lamp on and smoking as we did in those days. And he was you know, going on about racism. I said something about, you know, I had these cousins who were brought up racist. They weren't even allowed to. If uh, an elevator opened and a brown skinned person was in the elevator, they weren't allowed to get on. They had to wait. And there was just dead silence in the room. And the other guy goes, 
What you mean you got it? You got a white cousin? But you're black, ain't you? Oh, it must have happened. It must, it must have happened, I, and I wasn't aware of it. So I said, no, no. I thought you knew. But, yeah. Well, there you have it. Yeah, so you're just that good, apparently. What do you mean? No, it's just, it's just yeah, exactly what do you mean. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? Was it from uh, Tropic Thunder? Yeah. yeah. What do you mean, you people? Right. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So, uh, what are you working on these days? Are you um, are you have more acting um, adventures on the horizon? Are they going to bring you back? Do you know? Are you allowed to right. say? Can yeah. They, can they bring you back to Mine Hunter? Can we ask for that? No. Is there a petition that we're supposed to sign? I don't know. <laughs> I would love to come back um, with the little extra special something um, that's expected along the way. But I don't honestly, I don't know what would be in it for the show. I don't know really what else we can learn from Richard Speck. Right. If I may speculate, (laughs) whilst watching the show, I did notice that uh, the other two characters, they're great actors. It must have been, uh, yes, wonderful working with them, too, because they're really committed to their roles and doing a great job as well. But in a a scene that you're not in, you know, but it's a scene that follows the one that you are in. They're walking back to the car and they and I think Ford is the younger one. He says, um, you know, we should really videotape these things. You know, people, <laughs> just it, right? and there is only that one video of Richard Speck out. And I wonder, if, you know, these guys work, didn't lay the groundwork for that. I don't know where they're taking this show, you know, but well, basically it would, it would make sense that they would come back with the video. Yeah, well, poor, well, first of all, poor Dan is working at a disadvantage here because I, I powered on through the series without him. I left him behind. And so he's a, a few episodes out of the loop. Yes. One. Two, I am like the serial killer, crazy buff in the, in the family, and yes. so <laughs> yes, mm. yes, you assimilate. Buff, yeah. in the yard, you know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I didn't understand. I didn't get all of that. I was. <laughs> he says you assim- He says he's been assimilating to get along in the yard, so to speak. <laughs> so. <laughs> It scared me. When I first met Camila, she's like, okay, so we have to watch all these serial killer movies. I need to catch you up on my daily references. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> you really Are you really a serial killer? Like a, it really wasn't that. Television buff then, or I'm police procedural. Right. I'm just, he's just aware that I know how to get rid of a body. I'm just saying. Very that. respectful. <laughs> so many ways. Right? <laughs> So outside of so that all aside, um, so yes, what are are you working on anything else right now that you can talk about? Yeah, I'm, I'm writing. Um, I'm working on a screenplay. I have to say off and on because uh, I keep wondering if it's too timely, and then I keep finding ways to make it better to change or worse. I think better. Um, and then yeah, yeah. So, but it's. Um, it's it's a it's a topical piece, but I'm trying to make sure that it's not uh, it's gonna not gonna be dated. It has some you know universal relevance, uh, resonance. And, but how do you know? I don't know. It's, it's difficult. That's, that's about it. Yeah. Well, I, we also saw that you um 
you are a singer songwriter as well or i know you I, I have a i have three uh cds of, uh, of original music so far all made and, in pittsburgh and when did all that come about was that also something that you always kind of knew that you wanted to do or did you yeah, no, i guess so yeah <laughs> i mean i started writing songs i started playing music when i was about when i was 13 and i started writing songs the same year um so yes, I think so. I mean, I have hundreds of songs and probably, you know, at least 15, I wouldn't be afraid of playing publicly. <laughs> 15, you wouldn't be afraid of playing publicly. <laughs> and, do you, and do you still get a chance to play out often? Uh, or No. My, uh, my girlfriend's uh, brother and sister-in-law have a nice big home up in the hills and they've got a big performance space. And I did get a chance to play there last year and that was um, exhilarating for me. I mean, it was, it's, um, not probably happiest when I'm playing music. Yeah. Uh, performing music. Yeah. I don't know about happiest, but in the zone, maybe. Right. Yeah. What would you say your genre is? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that was my problem, you know? So like with these roles that I, I always wanted a kind of Gary Oldman career, right? Where you, mm-hmm. you get to act you get to do a range of emotions you also get to disappear in the characters and i think the problem with that unless you're doing it at his level um which is sort of like a character actor magnified to almost leading man which i you know i haven't done but i think uh is that you you don't recognize it's hard to get traction and if you you know people can't I mean, I, I, I see people all the time who give me a little glance, like, uh, where do I know you from? Mm-hmm. But they don't put it together, which is nice, too, which is it's good to have that retain the anonymity. Mm-hmm. But I think with my music, I was never able to, to really label it, you know, like a good marketer should. So I used to say I'm a blowtorch singer. <laughs> but it wasn't quite the truth either. So there's stuff in there. I mean, Billie Holiday is a big influence on the way I sing. Okay. Of the phrasing and the breath control and the way that, you know, I don't sound like her, but she's definitely a big influence. You know, Thelonious Monk is a little bit of an influence. Elvis Costello is an influence. Johnny Mitchell. Got a lot, a lot of uh, influences. So I go all over the map. It's very just eclectic. Well, that's awesome. I folk rock or with a hint of jazz. I don't know. Well, it's just, I mean, it's great. It's, it's, it's amazing to have that, you know, extra bit of talent there under your belt you know so you're acting you're writing you're singing and making music and i mean you are leading quite the productive life i would i would say <laughs> well I, I appreciate that i've been i've been lucky in some respects and then um i i you know i know there's a lot of um there seems to be a lot of heat around mindhunter and i think for good reason and uh so we're hoping we're all hoping that uh it helps uh, us all get to the next level, whatever that might be, or just to enlarges the, our horizons. It would be nice to play, for example, um, a character who's smart. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, not maniacal. Um, not, yeah, or if they are maniacal, they have a really good reason to be maniacal rather than just an empty-headed, you know, self-pitying. Uh, misogynistic sociopath. It'd be nice to, you know, I need to play some layered characters who have been taught. They may know that I got, I, I think a lot of notes 
um, from Mr. Fincher. But uh, what I did get, he would say a couple times, he would come in between scenes and go, ah, still a little too smart. Oh, really? So you had to dump you can't be smart. You can't be smarter than the FBI. You can't be smarter than these guys at any point. Okay, so okay, so you were you were playing him a little too a little too wise, a little too intelligent, and you had to dumb him down a couple a bit a couple notches. Um, yeah, and it wasn't my decision. That's just my that's that's where you know. Um, however much control you have as an actor, and I'm not saying I have much. Yeah, I think that's where the uh, brilliant uh, director who's gifted or who has trained himself to speak the actor's language and, and to be uh, conversant, you know, with uh, the language of emotion and the, and the language of physical expression, as he is, then they're able to catch you when you can't self-monitor, right? And bring you back. So I thought that I had spec pretty, pretty goddamn dumb. I thought I had him <laughs> down to the place where he was just like his brain was something like a cinder, you know, just sparked from, from anger and rebellion and, uh, you know, self-pity and arrogance and certain certain things are the flint that would bring sparks off what was left of his, his brain. But... Um, yeah, so it's not. It's probably it's not a mark of my great acting that I had to be told to to dumb him down. It's just to the to the director's uh, credit that he caught it every time. Well, I mean, every sure, something flashed out. Yeah, yeah, it's sure. It's you know, good on Fincher for you know catching it or whatever. But um, it's just it's also still a great marker to the fact that you are a good actor is that you were able to receive it and you were still able to go ahead and convey it properly. Because when we watch your performance, it's not like I'm seeing like, Oh yeah, this is obviously like some, this is obviously what the director told him. It's told him to do, or he's taking someone else's notes. Like it's just a natural, uh, I don't want to say charismatic, but it's just a a natural essence that you have there um, when portraying this character. Thank you. And it's easy to do with that kind of writing. It's just, it's there. You know what I mean? It's already, it's like a, um, it's like a heart that's, that's already beating and it's waiting for the blood to pass through and you come in and beat the blood. I mean, it's it's so. That's a great way to put it. You just channel it or you are the heart and the blood's already there. I don't know which is a better analogy or maybe they're both terrible, but the point is with the, with the writing and everything else set up the good. And then in the editing, the, the pacing is almost breathtaking right there's no there's almost no air in there you know and uh and i was glad of that because i had um when i worked on out of the furnace there were all these pauses in a scene that i had with christian bale and sam shepherd right and and they were written in you know this like um and maybe it was a direct you know a director's um the director's toolkit to do this like something he knew he was going to do but we're doing the scene and i kept thinking this is death. Why does he, I mean, because Christian's already kind of a, you know, a meditative guy and, mm. and has lots of pregnant pauses. They're all full. None of them feel like you're waiting for something to happen. But these ones that were written in, and I, I just about to ask him, he came back and said, okay, you know what, let's, let's take all those pauses out. I said, thank you. But later on, I thought, what if that's just something he does? Hmm. You know? Just kind of you're a... already feeling it. Yeah, it makes you feel like you you're the one who decided to do it. I guess you can always I'm glad he, I'm, <laughs> you can always shorten a pause 
and editing, but you can't make it longer. Maybe. <laughs> well, you could if you cut away. Yes. <laughs> cut away to some reaction. Yeah. Bring in the B-roll. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I only recently got into song songwriting myself. And um, oh, when I was in, oh, I would say, well, seven years ago, <laughs> to be pretty exact, I was <laughs> randomly blessed with the ability to sing and play guitar at the same time, finally, <laughs> uh, about seven years ago. And I know it because it happened like right after I got married. So <laughs> that's why. Wow. You found your muse. I did exactly <laughs> in yeah. so many ways. Right. Uh, um, in college, I grew up. I went to Bloomington, uh, Indiana, for undergrad. It's a great music town. We have like the Lotus Dickey Festival. I don't know if you're familiar or not with that, but it's no. folk. And um, I saw Ellis Paul play because his sister went to school at the same time I did. Except she was in the music program for like orchestra singing, and I was, you know in the journalism program so there's no paths across but ellis paul would come to town when he was before he even recorded stories uh which mm-hmm. was many people think is his first album but that was his second album <laughs> but i was a huge fan and i just wish that you know i could do that i wish i could play and sing at the same time you know play. i opened for ellis paul right i do which is why i'm teasing you with this story because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> seriously like my fandom for ellis paul is is unusually large I will tell you a stupid fandom story about him. If you please tell me how it is that you got to open for Ellis Paul. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do I have to start? Um, well, I mean, I could go first. All right. So I was, I was, um, I went from Bloomington, Indiana to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we are now for law school, which was a soul sucking experience, not full of creativity and what. As it le- as would be an Ellis Paul song, so I missed uh, Ellis terribly. I would follow him on the radio when I could, um, as he was touring around a lot. This is before he like wrecked his car horribly, and I decided I would write him a fan note <laughs> because right, this is the only time I've ever done anything like this in my life. It was like he's a big wow. star. Time, <laughs> not that I would say he is now, you know, by uh, some people's standards, but he is to me. Damn it, Ellis Paul. Wow. Big- and I, so in Pennsylvania, there's a factory, a Nabisco cookie factory, if you will, that had just shut down and um, nobody knew what to do with it. And a lot of like immigrants would come to Pittsburgh in the, in the 40s and 50s and whatnot, some of them for steel, but some of them found jobs in the, in the Nabisco factory, if you will. And I met this guy, I'm sitting at the Eaton Park, eating breakfast by myself, and this old Italian immigrant just decides to tell me his whole story about how he came over here with his family. His name is Rotolio, for the record. And he just told me this big, long story. And I was like, okay, that's too great a story. And so I I wrote it down real quick, and I was like, who do I give this story to? I was like, Ellis Paul. He would know what to do with the story. He would turn it into a song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I never heard from him, never wrote back. He's <laughs> probably put me on a watch list or something. But nonetheless, uh, that is my stupid story. <laughs> you probably ended to the wall with a butcher knife. Now look, they're, they're telling me how to write songs. <laughs> they think I've run out of material. Right, exactly. <laughs> so how did you come to open up for Mr. Paul? There's a woman in Pittsburgh named Marie Gallagher, and um, oh, I know her. He, he, okay, yeah, Marie had done some PR for me. She's great. 
And uh, she hooked it up. She just said, Ellis uh, Paul, uh, it's coming to town. If you don't know him, get to know him. Get to know his work. Don't be a, don't be a schmuck. And uh, he's going to play at Club Cafe. And um, is that the way it happened? Because I, I opened for him twice. No, I opened for him first uh, in Vienna, Virginia. Yeah, she got me that gig, too. I don't know how she did it, but um, I was playing a place there called Jam and Java. It's a great listening room. Some seats like, like 280. And it's just the most almost reverent you know, uh, crowd. Unlike, definitely unlike Los Angeles, but even unlike Pittsburgh. I've been in Club Cafe where you couldn't hear the musician, famous musician over the talking heads in the in the front uh, uh, table, at the front tables. But... And I had that experience with Ellis, too. And then the same woman who talked all through his second set um, <laughs> afterwards wanted him to autograph her chest. So, uh, you're kidding. Know. He has no, no. to just turn, just transform a room, you know, as does any good um, singer, songwriter, storyteller. It's just, it's a magical thing. And a club yeah, cap- I a thing or two from Alice, that's for sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, do you get a chance to play out very often or? No, I used to play. I mean, I did it for several years and I played a lot. It was one year where I played about 200 gigs that would count the uh, weekly open mics that I hosted. I was counting everything then. I mean, if I played under the, if I went to the King's Court where the old Beehive was in Oakland and I would stand there and busk, I, I would call that a, a gig. So who knows how honest that figure is, but. Yeah, that, that counts anytime you get. Paid. Let's say a hundred. Let's say a hundred. Just Excellent. to be safe. Yes, I love the fact that um, you know, I love the shout out to the old Beehive. I'm here there mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. Are you from Pittsburgh? Not originally. I am from Toledo, Ohio, but I've been here since '98. So okay, so you remember the Beehive? Yeah, I think I got here right before. Like I probably had a solid year with the King's Court before it it went away. Yep. I got here in 95, then went away and came back in 2004. Well, Mr. Erdy. Come, come back. Yes. We very much. Promoted. <laughs> we are going to, we're not going to keep you in much longer now. We're going to thank you very much for your time and your entertaining Thanks story. for having me. It was, it was really great to get to know you a little bit. Um, we look forward to seeing more of your projects and I'm probably going to go back uh, on your filmography and go like and peck and find you and the outsiders <laughs> in, in the past. <laughs> yes. And past projects and whatnot. Um, where can people find you online? You have a website, uh, Twitter, or, you know, my website was all devoted to my music. I don't currently have one, but I do have, um, you know, I'm on Twitter at, uh, just at Jack Erty and, uh, Facebook and, Instagram, Jack Otto, Ottovox, A-U-D-O-V-O-X, something like that. If you look at my name, it'll come up. But uh, those three. And I am working on a, a blog. It's a political blog called The Accidental Centrist. Oh. I haven't made it public yet. The first essay is done. I'm just working on the logo. And then I'm hoping to have it up, you know, okay. this week, this weekend, something like that. Like, seriously, you're just yeah, a talent. You have so many things that you're just, you have... So much that you're willing to offer the world. <laughs> uh, I don't know. 
But I, I mean, I appreciate that, but I think it's just that I have more ideas than I actually have talent to, to spin into gold. So I spin it in the fool's gold and hope that some of them stick. Yeah, yeah I would love to, to catch up with you guys in Pittsburgh and talk to you more, too, about um, podcasting. is something I'd like to get into. Ah, that would be awesome. I would happily sit down and chat with you. So next time you're around, or even if, you know, you just want to give a call, give me a call. Okay. I'll take you up on it. You don't have to record it. We can just we can just chat it up, and I will I will help you in any ways possible. Thank you. Awesome. That's so old fashioned. Thank you for being gracious. I appreciate it. <laughs> I say that's so old fashioned. Yeah, I love just, it. Just give me a little call. <laughs> just, thank you. Just, just little... do a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, once again, thank you so much, Jack. You've been awesome, and um, thank you. We look forward to keeping in touch. Appreciate it. Thanks for wearing kid gloves. <laughs> it's been a delight. I right, talk to you later.